Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So a lot of people have seen that Elon Musk of Tesla and X and SpaceX and whatever else the man is, is doing was in Israel and was getting a tour from the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, because when you're worth $300 billion, you get private tours from Benjamin Netanyahu. Tony Katz. Tony Katz, today, it's good to be with you. I mean, I'm glad that, that he's there, and I'm glad that he agrees that Hamas is a terrorist organization. They're being referred to very openly as Nazis, new Nazis, uh, things uh, like this, and you need to counter the madness that you see in American universities when they are very supportive of Hamas. They're not supportive of free Palestine. They're supportive of the destruction of Israel. It's a very different conversation. And you are starting to see, like you saw in the UK, uh, a level of support for uh, Israel and support certainly for the destruction of a terrorist organization. But you also see how, for example, in Yemen, the Houthi rebels, H-O-U-T-H-I, how they're engaged in more and more missile fire, uh, shooting missiles towards U.S. warships, warships that are responding to attacks on commercial tankers from the Houthi rebels. This is Yemen we're talking about, which is basically a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now, retired United States Army, West Point guy, military analyst, all up and down your cable news dial and our guy here. Uh, let's start with who these Houthi rebels are. It's a conversation we've been having because uh, Indiana Senator Todd Young has been very aggressive on on this subject and an understanding of exactly how dangerous the situation is. And we've had this conversation before. Talk to me about the Houthi rebels. Talk to me about the proxy war. Okay, so Houthi rebels, 100% supported by Iranian Republican Guards and, and Quds Force is there. They, they have got all their capability coming from Iran. They, they um, you know, but for the Iranian government, they, they really don't exist. And so this is a proxy war where, you know, the, the militia are, are, all the strings are being pulled by the Iranians. And so if we're going to deter Iran, which is completely undeterred so far, given all the other attacks that are taking place on land, it's going to take them, Tehran, at somewhere feeling more pain. Um, the, the, the Houthis have got this capability now to, to be pirates uh, in, in the Gulf of Aden and then with inside the Red Sea. Um, they have capability there to go after. They, they originally tried to go after what they thought was an Israeli um, carrier or Israeli uh, commercial ship the other day, but as it turns out, it wasn't. Um, now the Navy gets involved and prevents the piracy from happening, and now they're firing at U.S. warships. Again, they're undeterred. So what, what's, what's our response? And our response has always been just kind of in kind and not do anything in order to really try to deter the Iranians. And I think until we come up with a better solution to there, I think these attacks are going to continue. 
So a couple things within that. It wasn't an Israeli tanker. It's a tanker that I think was flagged out of out of the UK, but is owned mm-hmm. by an Israeli. So not specifically mm-hmm. an Israeli tanker, but the company is owned by an Israeli. And when you talk about the Gulf of Aden, uh, always important mm-hmm. to look at a map. You're talking about right there under Yemen. So you're talking about the, uh, the bottom of the boot there where Saudi Arabia is. You've got Yemen uh, to the west and Oman to the east. If you keep going around, that's where you get to the Straits of Hormuz, which is another dangerous spot uh, in terms of the, the possibility of of these kinds of uh, uh, pirate raids. But these these Houthi rebels, they didn't come upon a tanker on a speedboat. This isn't Captain Phillips. They were on a freaking right. helicopter moving yeah. with military precision. This this isn't this isn't people living in caves, man. No, no, Russian-made helicopter, likely Iranian force uh, trained, uh, GoPros on them, made it look like, you know, a Call of Duty scene, uh, you know, a a platoon-sized organization to take over, what, six or ten civilians that run that ship. Um, It's all designed to project project power from their side as a a use of propaganda. You know, you you watch videos that they put out there. Um, you know, that they are becoming Hamas, they are becoming Hezbollah, what, what the level of support they get from Iran, both in material and training and, and equipment and, and everything up and down the line, uh, while ignoring the civilians within the country as the, they try to run the country, uh, it is just astonishing. And, and where's the United Nations on this? The, you know, the World Food Program, for example, uh, you know, that where, where's everybody else in the outrage here that's allowing these countries to do these kinds of things? And again, it's all over the Iranian fingerprints on them. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Uh, the the getting back to these rebels, getting back mm-hmm. to how it is they're acting and supported by Iran. And we have seen them engage uh, in, in in rocket fire. And these rockets have been taken down by Iron Dome. Some of them have been shot down by American forces. I believe some have been shot down uh, by, by Saudi forces. In any rational positioning, this is Iran trying to engage in acts of war against Israel, against the United States, against Saudi Arabia. You just mentioned that other nations are staying totally silent. The question is, why is the United States saying, staying totally silent on this subject? I'm not sure. You saw how, uh, you, you know, it, it's just our administration's inability to deal with the reality of what Iran is doing in, in their desperation to try to believe that Iran is going to change their behavior. Uh, up and down the line with their attitude towards getting a nuclear weapon, with their supporting and funding terrorists throughout the world. Um, This is a proxy war that Iran is fighting against Israel first and foremost. And, uh, and then right now we we are just not again, having figured out a way to deter them from, from continuing to do this. What, what, what is that going to take us? So for example, Thailand, Thailand to get its hostages released goes to the Iranians and the Iranians get with Qatar and the Qatar negotiates with Hamas and, they were able to do that. I, I guarantee if they're, they're still Americans talking about this this morning, there's still Americans with American passports that the Hamas has. I don't understand why this administration is not calling for their immediate release, but, but it's likely because there's a number assigned to it. Like what happened before with the $6 billion to release the six uh, or the five hostages that, that were held that we had that prisoner trade off for. So if Iran's involved, there's money involved, there's trade involved and this administration runs scared of them is really what, what's going on. 
So now let's take a look at at where we are with these hostages. The deal was for a a ceasefire that uh, Hamas would release uh, approximately 50 hostages, people they kidnapped, although uh, they seem to have released more than that. Uh, At least when you talk about day one, it was 13 hostages and then 12, uh, I think it was Filipino hostages uh, as well, or was it Thailand or was it a mix uh, of of, of a group of of different hostages outside of Israelis and Americans? We know one American has been released, and for this, 150 hostages, quote-unquote Palestinians would be released. These are people who have been involved in terrorist attacks, involved in stabbings. One of the women uh, they released when she got back to Gaza immediately screamed for Hamas to spill more Israeli blood. You you understand that what we're dealing with, and people need to understand that what we're dealing with is people who want the destruction of Israel at all costs without question. Uh, in, in the military view... Uh, this ceasefire, this exchange uh, for for the hostages, is this the only move or could there have been a different move? It's a terrible move from the military's perspective. Um, anytime you pause like this, causing the IDF now to go in defensive positions to protect themselves, Hamas likely sending soldiers south, uh, repositioning, looking for areas where they can attack uh, IDF forces once they start over. So from a straight military perspective, it's not good. However, you recognize the pressure the Israeli government is under as Hamas is trickling out these hostages, trading off time for hostages every day that goes by. Um, it's going to be more difficult for the IDF to restart this offensive operation. I, I think it likely starts back in the air with artillery. I don't think you'll see ground troops moving just yet because it's very difficult from a soldier's perspective, having done this before, to just flip this switch to go from being a, a war fighter and all of a sudden pausing and then to kind of crank the war machine back up again. So I, I, I do think that, um, you know, the, the, the objective of getting the hostages back and regime change with Hamas is conflicting. And at some point, one's got to be the priority over the other. But right now, the priority is getting the hostages back. And that's now t- the military mission of regime change has taken a back seat, unfortunately. The conversation about being opposed to ceasefire is that it gives Hamas the chance to to rearm. It gives Hamas a chance to to collect themselves and engage more attacks. You have this uh, prisoner exchange signed off on by the IDF, signed off by Mossad, signed off by Shin Bet, so all of their intelligence communities. It leads one to believe, or at least leads me to believe, that Israel now feels they know where things are, they know where people are, they know where the positioning is, they know what the next possible 10 moves are, and therefore this was the best bet because I haven't seen anything in them that says we're going to listen to other nations and not move forward in getting rid of Hamas. This is a nation that is now totally in lockstep uh, to, to get this done. How much of this, if you were going to say, well, it could be the idea that they know what Hamas's next move is going to be, or it could be they're, they're, they're folding under the pressure, how do you rank that percentage-wise? No, I, it, it, they've got no choice. They've got to work to try to get hostages back. But, but knowing full well that it's going to prolong the war, as, as Hamas soldiers, again, likely are heading down the strip in an area where the fighting is going to be increased, you know, for every hostage family that's outraged that they're there. There's an IDF family member that's got somebody inside of an Israeli a tank or a uh, infantry fighting vehicle that uh, their life is at risk because of this pause that goes on. So I, I, I understand how the Israeli government has to do this. And Israel historically has done this 
they've traded in has been an imbalance. The trades have not been fair. You saw the they're releasing prisoners from Palestine, from the Palestinian group, and we're getting back hostages, people that were you know stolen, taken from their kibbutzes back uh, back on October seventh. But um, but I you know again the military they have to thread this needle there, and they have to go by what the politicians say. But at some point. Hamas is going to run out of hostages they can give back, and that's when the war starts back up again. Israel's not going to put up with Hamas on its border as the, as the, the governing force uh, inside the Gaza Strip. Israel has said, we will keep the ceasefire going if you release 10 hostages. 10 hostages a day, we'll keep the ceasefire going for a, another day. You're saying that no matter what, when that ends, that's when the war will, will, will continue. Absolutely. I, I think. Um, and if there will be a potential hiccup that goes in before that, if there is intent, you know, it was real Israel's idea to do that. So they have to you know, stand by it now at this point. And Hamas will do what we, they can. We're going to find out more, too, about the hostages as time goes on, because, um, you know, you look at the, if you get down to the details of some of these, you know, there's still a 10 month old baby that hasn't been released. Um, there's going to be some tragedy still that's going to come from the hostages as this information comes out. And it just gets back to the longer that Hamas can can then can delay the offense from restarting again, the IDF and the military starting again, the more they think they're going to get pressure from the rest of the world. Now, what the Houthi, go back to the Houthis. The Houthis are not helping the situation because if others are going to attack Israel at the same time, then Israel is going to continue to, to say, look, no matter what, we've got our enemies all surrounded. We've got to still continue the fight. I, I wanted to get uh, with you before I, I let you go. We have been not talking as much about what is happening um, in 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 Ukraine, uh, and certainly that does not make Vladimir Zelensky happy. Uh, if you're not paying attention to me, uh, that means uh, I've got a harder time getting Russia out out of my hair. Russia doesn't seem to have moved that much. I hear reports that the Russian forces are failing and the Ukrainians are are making ground to get uh, ground back, and then you get stretches of nothing. Um, where are we in this fight? We're at a stalemate now, and the winter is here uh, in, in uh, that part of the world. It's going to be more, much more difficult. The ground will be harder. So, in fact, some of the, the, the tanks and the track vehicles might be able to move um, a, a little bit better. But uh, the bottom line is Ukraine doesn't have the offensive capability to gain back the land that Russia took back in 2014, and that's what they're going to do. We've not given them that those weapon systems to do that. They have enough to defend themselves at this point in time, but not to take that back. We would have now given, we were almost working on two years here, they would have had to have had that equipment almost two years ago, ATACMs, they would have had the F-16s, the, the modern-day F-16s. They, they needed um, much more air defense capability. They, there, was, there was so many more things that they would have had to have in order to have any expectation for that offensive uh, operation to counteroffensive to take to take hold, and it just hasn't happened, and and, and no surprise to myself, uh, because of the fact at the end of the day, Russia still is 10x. They're 10 times the size. They have 10 times capacity, and they can continue to hold off. And that and that's what's ha- I think what's happening right now is Russia's trying to stay. The rest of the world's eventually going to forget about this, and we'll be able to slowly creep our way inside of Ukraine uh, if we just you know still keep at it. That is Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, M-A-J, Major Mike Lyons, on the X Twitter box. Find him there. Appreciate you, sir. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.